Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 1 through 14. Once more, Jesus spoke to the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Look, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to the slaves, the wedding is ready, and those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. My friends, it's a delight to be with you in worship today. I am pretty tired right now. Uh, unfortunately, these incredible rainstorms we've had led leaking and water to come in my brother's basement. So last night we were trying our best to use shop backs and mops and squeegees and towels to get everything out of there. I certainly hope that your homes are okay. I know that it's coming down really hard and let's pray that this kind of moves on pretty quickly. It's one of the wettest summers and falls we've ever had here in Atlanta. But anyway, we'll turn our hearts to God in prayer that God will give us energy to think about this parable and let it take shape in our lives in new and profound ways. Let us pray. Creator God, we are thankful for the life that you have given us. And we confess there are many ways that we're not very faithful with that gift. We have been wayward and unwise. Indeed, we have been sinful. And as we've walked away from your grace, we believe and confess that you sent your son Christ to reconcile us unto yourself, to cultivate in our hearts a desire for your kingdom ways. And we are grateful for this reconciling gift. We also believe and confess with our mouths that you've sent your Holy Spirit to be a guide and counselor to us, to pull us together and make us a community of care. God, we ask that you send your Holy Spirit freshly now in this very hour for you, and I know both that I can do nothing without you. Let this parable tickle our minds, let it play in our hearts. May it bring forth something out of us that seeks for rejuvenation under your grace. It is in the matchless name of Jesus Christ we pray, and God's people everywhere say together, Amen. I got a phone call while I was sitting in my study 
somebody wanted to talk with me, they were upset, angry, and they just wanted to talk about it. They wanted to do it in person, face to face. They didn't want to do it on the phone. They didn't want to write an email. They wanted to meet me and talk to me about it. Now, they couldn't meet with me to the end of the day. And I have a little hesitance when this happens. I, I kind of ruminate and worry about what possibly could be the problem. And I am narcissistic enough to assume that I am the problem. My mind starts doing tumblings, jumping jacks, and moving this way and that, thinking things like, what did I do or not do correctly? What did I say or not say correctly? What offense did I bring? And every hour that passes, my mind goes right back to this question, even though I've got other work right in front of me. So finally, towards the end of the day, my appointment shows up and comes in, and they sit down and begin chewing the fat, as they say, chatting, which is excruciating for somebody like me because I just want to know what the problem is and how many times do I have to apologize. And then the person begins to tell me their problem. And I was shocked because it didn't seem to have anything to do with me. And then I said, wait, so you're not mad at me? And the person said, oh heavens, why would I be mad at you? There's relief that fell over me and my mind went to a place of gratitude, so much so that I don't think I was actually a very good listener to the rest of this person's story. Now, you may not be as narcissistic as me, but I'm assuming that we all really are interested in our being okay. We do a lot to work in our lives to make sure that we're okay. We're, we're in good standing with someone or some institution or ourselves. We, we want to put it in another biblical word here. We want to put it this way. We are all interested in our justification. We are on the right side of things. I think that's what's going on in this parable to a great degree. Jesus begins by saying the kingdom of God is like. We've talked before about how the phrase kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God are kind of code words. When readers read it, they should think, ah, Jesus is about to tell us what God's heart for the world is. Jesus is telling us what work he's doing. Jesus is telling us what we're all invited to participate in. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like a king. About to host an, a, a lavish wedding banquet. Now, everyone who's been invited has already been invited, but the king now gathers up his slaves and sends them out to tell those who were invited it's ready. The meat is properly smoked. The wine is poured. The table Oh, it is set beautifully. And the slaves go out and tell these folks who've been invited, they don't go. They simply don't come to the sumptuous and scrumptious feast. I don't know why they didn't go. Perhaps there was something else more pressing, or perhaps they thought about the effort and time put into a wedding celebration, and they just didn't want to do it. In the ancient world, weddings weren't a day and evening affair. They went on for maybe a week, and people celebrated daily. Maybe they didn't want to put in the effort. They just didn't show up. I'll never forget when Colleen and I were engaged. We went to our insurance um, provider, and they offered us a huge three-ring binder full of all the things you needed to do to plan your wedding. It even told you what you needed to be doing on week 16 and week 7 and all the way down. And then I saw there was this fascinating page. Uh, it was an actuarial chart. I think that actuaries are modern-day witches. I don't understand how they do what they do or what they know, how they know what they know. 
But it said in this chart that if you send out this many invitations, expect this many RSVPs. If you expect this many RSVPs, expect this many people to attend the service. And if this many people attend the service, expect only this amount to come to the reception. And I thought, this is incredible. There's no way they can know this thing. And it was correct. I'll never forget, right before coming out into the sanctuary for the start of the wedding, I looked out and I saw the numbers. And I thought, oh my gosh, I think we beat the actuarial chart. And then we drove after the wedding, the 30 seconds from the doorway of the church, the doorway of the hotel, and we walked in and we're doing that thing where we're about to be introduced and we come in dancing and it's all silly. And I look over and I see the names of the place settings that weren't picked up. And I noticed those names were in the wedding at the church. And it was spot on. I don't know. I don't know why they didn't show up, but they don't. And so the king calls his slaves back together and says, okay, now go out and invite, do another invitation, do another round of it. And this time, things get bad. It tells us that the people are too busy with their lives, too busy with their work. They're trying to make sure they're okay in their own business. Maybe they're trying to scratch together extra money to leave to their children. Or maybe they have a, a, a harvest that needs to come in. But they are too busy to see the incredible grace that's offered to them at this banquet it tells us that the slaves are mistreated some killed it's a terrible mess but the point of it is they're too busy worrying about their own justification and okayness to take notice of the gift i have a dear friend and one night a long time ago he sat with me and three other friends and we were all really close and he was having one of the moments in life that you sometimes have where you just feel melancholy. He was talking about lacking a sense of feeling like you're at home anywhere. And then he said, I just don't think I have any community. And I looked at him, and then I looked at my three other friends, and we all looked at each other. And at some point, one of us had the guts to say, well, what do you call us? Sometimes we're too distracted or busy to see the grace that's already there right in front of our faces. And so they don't go. The slaves were sent back out. And this time, they're not even going to go to the people who were invited in the first place. They're now just in the streets telling people that they're welcome to this lavish feast, this wonderful banquet from a king. I imagine there are people that you would never have imagined inviting to this wedding. Maybe there were some ne'er-do-wells. And now... They're eating fine pork and meats. I don't know why I said pork. I don't know, probably lamb, but in my mind, it's a nice cold pork. They're eating deliciously. And the king begins to walk the banquet hall, and he sees one of these people off the streets who's come in, and they're not wearing wedding robes. And he deals harshly with them. He casts them out. When I was researching this passage, I came across the true story, and its setup sounds rather like a joke, but it's true. Tom Long, who is one of the best preachers of the last half of the 20th century in America, Barbara Brown Taylor, who's one of the finest preachers of the second half of the 20th century, and Fred Craddock, our beloved Fred Craddock, who is one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century, were at an Atlanta Braves baseball game together here in Atlanta. There was a man, some rows in front of them, who got belligerent and drunk, and is causing commotion. 
and people wearing yellow jackets and said securities kept swooping in from behind them and extracted that man from the ball game so very quickly that everyone was stunned and silent. And then Fred, with his West Tennessee accent and that high-pitched voice, said, Well, I guess he wasn't wearing his wedding robes. And that makes a Bible nerd like me chuckle, but I'm guessing the only other people who knew what he was talking about were Barbara Brown Taylor and Tom Long. I, I have a suspicion about this moment in the story. I think there might be some who read this and go, ah, here's a biblical justification for wearing proper decorum in church. Coat and tie, no jeans and flip-flops. Let me assure you, that's not what this is about. You know, in the ancient world, perhaps... A king might even provide somebody who didn't have wedding robes a robe to come into the feast. We don't really know. But I think here's what the parable is telling us. The kingdom of God is a king. In the kingdom of God, God is a king who makes many overtures to humanity to welcome them into a delicious feast, a fine banquet to welcome them in in grace, to sit at his table. That's what the kingdom of God is like. And sometimes people just don't show up. And sometimes people are too busy to notice. And sometimes they're worried about their own selves, making their own table spread and forgetting the fact that there's so much more that God has, the king has to offer. And then sometimes the kingdom of God is where people are invited in, but they won't put on new garments of grace. They won't put on a new life. They don't want to put on change. They want to remain as they were. Even though we go to church, we still have to ask this question. How have we responded to God's overture to us to come into his kingdom, to come to his banquet, to come to his great gift of salvation? Are we too busy to notice? Do we just not show up? Or... Do we come and expect to not be changed? Because when we come to the table, we must come with new garments of grace. I want to assure you today, friends, that God is still making overtures to you. No matter how much you pray or read the Bible or go to church, God is still offering the banquet to you. God is still inviting you to come and dine. Don't be too busy to notice. Don't be working for your own justification. Let the invitation make you whole. And when you go, allow yourself to take off the old clothes and put on the new ones. Because when you come and feast with the Lord, you leave forever changed. God bless you.